Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and we are continuing our series on the Ten Commandments, and this is episode three, and we're going to be talking about the Second Commandment. And to do that, we have a guest all the way down from Haiti, a missionary Sean Christensen. Sean, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be with you. Now, tell us a little bit about what you do there uh, in ministry to, uh, in, in Haiti. Tell us about your, your ministry there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a Bible professor here. Um, I teach at the Bible Institute of Light is the name, though, of course, the name is in French here in Haiti, uh, and the Bible College of Light. So we have different programs of study. One is a diploma level, one's a, an accredited bachelor's degree in theology. And my uh, expertise, I guess, is in New Testament and biblical languages. So I teach uh, through the Gospels, Book of Acts, the Epistles, as well as uh, give an introduction to Greek and Hebrew. So you're the perfect guy to talk to about the Old Testament. Nice. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I know a few things. All right. Well, we are are talking about the second commandment today. I'm going to read that here uh, from Exodus chapter 20. And in verse 4, you read this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I in the Lord your God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to a third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But though, But showing steadfast love to those thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments so we're talking about idols so uh, sean how do we define what this means the second commandment mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it at face value for modern western civilization readers the seems like well i'm good yeah you know I've, I've never been tempted to do that you know kind of thing um and of course as we look at that commandment at face value, uh, it talks about graven images, which is effectively talking about either carving wood or chipping away at stone to create an image. And that's, of course, what the earliest idols were. Uh, even wooden ones then would be covered with gold or silver or something. Um, later on, actually, even just a little bit later in the book of Judges, so you're looking at just about two generations later, Um, the command also includes molten images which would be solid gold that's poured into a mold uh, that kind of thing and so um, I thought that that was significant as we see multiple passages uh, later in the Old Testament as technology advanced the forms of idolatry advanced and then the Bible addresses those as well and so that uh, this is getting a little ahead as we'll get to application a little later, but um, technology continues to advance, right. and the forms of human idolatry continue to advance, and we even see that progress within the Old Testament itself. Um, but we can talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about just that that advancement before. Um, you know, looking back at it, you know, centuries and millennia later. Uh, it almost seems kind of frozen in time, but you know, scripture is on a continuum. It, it, you know, you know, if you have fourteen hundred years of uh, history there. Uh, so, all right. So we've kind of defined what we're doing. As we look at some other scriptures, 
we, we're thinking, all right, this this idolatry, you, you kind of hit on it a little bit there. Um, we tend to think in the Western world, well, there's nothing I'm bowing down to. I don't have a carved piece of wood that I've made in my garage that I'm bowing down to worship. But I, I think uh, we can even expand this a little bit to how I worship. Um, I, I may not worship this thing, but even the Israelites, uh, their idolatry wasn't just worshiping a false god, but worshiping the true god falsely or, or uh, in a way that is not worthy of him. So we're sometimes using objects, using things to somehow supplement where scripture doesn't go. Do you think that's an, that's an accurate statement, or? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, what you said just reminds me of the Samaritan woman's question to Jesus hmm. uh, at the well, um, when she decided to, you know, turn the attention away from her sin and start asking theological questions all of a sudden. Um, she she said, well, you know, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, in which which was the case, the Samaritans did. And she said, you Jews worship, say you have to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus really corrects her thinking. He said, you know, salvation is from the Jews. And so you Samaritans worship what you do not know, because theirs was a very syncretized faith. Um, but he said, but you know what, that time's gone. Yeah. He said, the time has now come when the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Right. And he he. he points out that that's through him you know he's the yeah. one and so he's the one that gives the holy spirit to those who put their faith in him and he is the way the truth and the life and right. so true worship is through the one true son to the one true god and it's through jesus christ and so that's that you know that's our specific application there yeah um, uh, i imagine you're going to get to this kevin but there's there's other Oh, right. applications here too about <laughs> idolatry in our, in our day and age. Well, you hit on, on John 4 and the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, I was also thinking about Colossians 1 in the sense that uh, the problem, I think, with idolatry, the main issue is, and even if we're, we're debating about just worship styles or whatever, um, why don't we make an image to God? Because we, we, we have an image. According to Colossians 1, 15, Christ is the image of God. And so Excellent. we get into the ultimate form of idolatry when we try to picture God, we try to, in a sense, mold God into some image that we can look at and see. Well, we're forsaking the image that, that God gave us there in Christ. That's right. Yeah, that's the, that's excellent. And, and once again, as everything does in the Old Testament, it just points to Christ. Right. Christ is the fulfillment of it all. Yeah. I always find it interesting. Um, you know, if we, if we want to um, talk about, all right, uh, could we could we then, therefore, all right, if well, let me let me throw this question out at you, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you my answer later. I want to see what your answer because you're the you're, you're you're the you're the seminary professor. So um, I'm going to toss it out to you. Um, is it, since Christ is the image of God, therefore, and I know this is a debate, uh, what about pictures of Jesus, um, whether it's in children's literature or in, you know, some picture we found online or something, uh, is, it, is it okay to use a picture of Jesus 
since it seems like God's given us a, a physical representation of himself, uh, you know, in John we see Jesus said if he was talking to Thomas saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So can we, can we use pictures of Jesus in our worship and our trying to wrap our heads around uh, the content of Scripture? Sure. That, yeah, it, it's a relevant question. And, in fact, different uh, sects of Judaism uh, still, uh, I don't mean still, but um, take an application of this commandment, of the second commandment, to say no, no photos, hmm. you know, and so if you try to take a picture of them, they'll cover their face. That bec- Because literally it says, you know, you are not to make any graven images, anything in the yeah. likeness of fish or things on the, uh, on the land or anything. But, um, but, you know, in a sense, and that would forbid all art. Right. And yet, th- even in the construction of the temple and of the tabernacle, there's significant art. In fact, God commands the, the image, the, the golden statue, as it were, to be affixed on top of the Ark of the Covenant of two angels, two cherubim. Yeah. And so, obviously, God is not anti-art. In fact, he uses it right. uh, most effectively uh, throughout the Old Testament. And so the, the key issue, as I, as I see it, is uh, why? You know, and that's, that's something any Old Testament law, you've got to look at it and say, why? Why did God give that? Often, right. we find it right there in the context. And that's what we find here. Uh, he said, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. And then he goes on and talks about himself. He says, because I am a jealous God. Yeah. And that word jealous, the, the, the specific word used there, uh, kana, is used six times in the Old Testament, only in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and it's only used in reference to God. And so, uh, you know, people will say, well, how come God can be jealous, but I can't? You know, how come it's a sin for me, but not for him? But this is a very, very specific term of jealousy where there is an exclusive covenant relationship here, Hmm. uh, similar to marriage, and that's why idolatry and adultery are often linked in the Old Mm. Testament because they're effectively the same thing. God's people are married uniquely to him, to God, as we Christians are married uniquely to Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. We're his and his alone. And so that's really the key issue. And so using forms of art, even drawings of Jesus, whether he's drawn you know as a child or uh, sometimes in haiti for example we'll see pictures of him as a black man with short Hmm. you know with tight curly hair and all that well reality is we don't know what jesus looked like and and jesus uh appears in dreams to africans and arabs and asians and uh, you know all cultures and when he does he he appears to look like one of them you know, and, and yeah. though he came as a Jew, I mean, he, he looked like who he looked like, and he looked like a Middle Eastern Jew of the first century, because that's what he was born into. Right. Um, but of course, he's the son son of God, the son of man who he came and revealed himself to all humanity. So uh, it's not a problem as long as we're not worshiping that image, yeah. if we're not replacing the, the true son with, uh, with that image. Right, and that, that's where I, I, I would fall as well in that, uh, you know, 
you know your manger scene at Christmas, I don't think people are worshiping the little child in the manger or exactly. uh, in right. the little kids' books. I don't think people are bowing down to those. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I, I think that I, I get a little cautious in that, as again, what you hit on is that oftentimes our views of Jesus are, you know, it, our literal views of Jesus, images of Jesus, look a lot like us. Um, yes. <laughs> and, or, you know, we have these, our, our common concept of Jesus was, you know, kind of out of the Middle Ages, and they just took all of these Bible characters and kind of made them look like them. And so a lot yep. of the artistic representation. So, um, you know. They, they, they all look Roman. Right. <laughs> Yeah, unless it, it was unless it was done in Spain, then they look Spanish. Right. Or if it was done in Germany, they look German. Yep, you got it. And so, yeah, it gets... that's what hu- that's what humans do. Right. Every culture does it. And then I I think we kind of you know at the more we make Jesus like ourselves, you know, I worry about we get into, you know, Romans chapter one, and that's uh, exactly kind of what's going on is where we're trying to take God and put him into human form, and we are molding and shaping an idol. Uh, that again looks like what we think God should look like, not just physically, but even uh, characteristically or uh, idealistically, emotionally. It's it's amazing how much uh, we just think that God is the best representation of the ideals that already are in our own heads. So effectively making a God in our own image right. instead of us being conformed to his image, which is the whole point of the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's no, talk about, right. let's bring this now here into, um, again, our, our modern times and talk about dangers to avoid. What are some things even now, and, and this is going to kind of overlap into our application section that, that that's fine. But, how are we in danger of breaking this thing? Because we already said, you know, hardly anyone, you know, I've never seen a neighbor uh, get out and worship a statue. Even my Catholic friends who might have a statue of Mary out there, I, I haven't seen anyone bowing down to it. So we're not necessarily mm-hmm. worried about that, but what should we be worried about? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, assuming that our audience is, is primarily um, North Americans from either European or African background, we're, we're typically not known to be idol yeah. worshipers. Of course, Hindus are, uh, right. and some Buddhists are. Um, and so that, that certainly is a extremely relevant directly. Hmm. You know, they don't even have to try to apply a principle. They, they can just put it in, uh, immediately apply it in their lives. But, you know, it's interesting. Being in, in Haiti, anytime you spend time in another culture, you begin to see things and have some of your your assumptions or what's normal challenged and that that can be frustrating it can also be very enriching and people in haiti they're voodoo of course is a is a animistic religion here but they do worship images and they do and you got to think through why why did the canaanites and the egyptians and the mesopotamians why did they worship idols why did they do that uh, because they did, they all did, everyone did except the Jews. Yeah. And the reason they did is because it was a source of protection and it was a source of power. This was the way to get what I want and what I need. But it was outside of the truth, it was outside of the light. 
and God really reproaches uh, in the prophets. Uh, and if I may just read uh, a couple of verses from Jeremiah sure. chapter 10. He, um, of course, Jeremiah, this is, this is the lowest point of Israel's history. And God says, everyone is senseless and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. His images are a fraud. They have no breath in them. They are worthless. The objects of mockery, when their judgment comes, they will perish. He who is the portion of Jacob is not like these, for he is the maker of all things, including Israel, the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord Almighty is his name. And, you know, that that passage, among others, are so important to understand. One, the uniqueness here. God made Jacob. God redeemed Jacob. And so Jacob is his, you know, and, and but also that God is the source of life. And so he prohibits all forms of divination, of magic, of sorcery, of necromancy, communication with the dead, all of that. And idolatry is simply a subset of pagan or animistic or spiritistic uh, worship yeah. in order to get protection and provision. And God says, I'm your father. I'm the source of that. Don't prostitute yourself spiritually and go chasing after that from other sources. You get it from me. You get it from me and you get it from me uniquely. And so, you know, where do we go running to find security and significance and provision? Uh, You know, are, are we more, do we have more faith in people or in governments or in our comfort, in our convenience, those can so very easily be our idols that we trust in those things. Uh, do, is prayer our last resort or is it our first response hmm. when we have a need? That shows what we really hope in, what we really trust in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that's an indicator if we have idolatry in our hearts, which every human does. Every yeah. human is an idolater. Right. I mean, John Calvin's famous quote about the, the human heart is simply an idol factory. Uh, exactly. I love, I love that quote, and it's so true. <laughs> well, how do we – let's take this into Sunday morning. We're, we're going to church, and I like those ideas. Uh, we often run to for comfort, for protection. How does that apply on a Sunday morning? I'm going to church, and we know that worship matters. How, how we worship God, how we approach Him does matter. You know, mm-hmm. Nadab and Abihu learned that the hard way. Uh, that yeah. we simply don't worship God on our own terms. And I feel like that's, right. that's oftentimes what happens on a Sunday morning, what, and, and not even yeah, knowing amen. it sometimes. <laughs> well, that's exactly true. I mean, wh- I don't know if there's been a Barna study on this, but, you know, why do people leave a church? Often it's because they don't like the form of worship. Yeah. And, the, you know, the better question is, does God right. like the form of worship? Uh, you know, it's not about me. It's yeah. not about what I like. It's about what God likes. Right. And the, the whole worship experience is for him. Yeah. And, you know, if I may, as, you know, a, a, a U.S. citizen who has lived in a foreign country for 10 years, you start to see things a little differently when hmm. you look from the outside in. Um, so much of our worship is so narcissistic these days. Yeah. We love to sing about ourselves, right? And and I don't know how much that we. Again, I am not just I'm not um, 
categorically saying all new worship songs are bad. Not at all. Some of them are fantastic. Just like ninety percent. So it's not a matter of yeah, <laughs> it's not a matter of style. It's a matter of content. Right. You know, and so you know, we we do sing the song. It's it's. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. But so much our attitude is really, eh, it's really all about me, though. Yeah, I feel like sometimes <laughs> we we are worshiping ourselves through our worship of God. It, it's it's a a very humanistic perspective. Why is God good? Because he's good to me. Why is God good? Mm -hmm. Because he makes me feel great. And so really the emphasis on some of these songs are really how I feel and, and how God makes exactly. me feel and not actually any of his attributes or his holiness or any of that. The focus really becomes on me. Exactly. And, and I'm not saying that there is zero place for such things. Right. The Psalms are full of emotive language. Um, but the emphasis, the focus has got to be on who God is. Yeah. And so often that, that focus has gotten lost right. and that, that, that's to our, to our own d damage. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, our time is slipping away here and I want we always wrap things up with some resources for going deeper. And you were you just telling me before we were recording about a, a sermon series that uh, you'd been blessed through that going through, through that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, Pastor Colin Smith um, is pastor of a large church outside of Chicago, which there are numerous ones, but um, he's got a video series called The Ten Greatest Struggles of Your Life, hmm. which goes through the Ten Commandments. And I, I have really appreciated his approach to it because he really brings a, you know, a, a here, here today in your life, here's how you can apply these. And, uh, and it's, he really gives the New Testament fulfillment of them too. Hmm. So. I've, uh, I've really appreciated that. I want to add uh, books that we've uh, talked about already. We're going to continue to talk about. Uh, but the, the main book I've been using in this study is The Ten Commandments by Kevin DeYoung. And a uh, book I just got, and I, and I can't believe I, I didn't get this sooner, uh, but Words from the Fire by Dr. Al Mohler has been a, a, a real blessing as well. So you can check those out. We'll have a link to all of those on the resources page of our website. And, don't forget to check that out at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. So, Sean, where can we learn more about your ministry and keep up with uh, what you're doing? Mm -hmm. um, I have all of my newsletter, uh, email newsletter, uh, archived at seanchr.com. That's S-E-A-N-C-H-R.com. It just links to our MailChimp uh, archives page. All right. That's so the best way. I'd encourage you to check that out, and I know things... Uh, we won't be airing this for a couple of weeks, but I know right now things are very volatile in Haiti uh, politically, and so uh, please keep the Christensen family in prayer. And I'm sure, even after this settles down, uh, and, uh, you know, if it's or even if it's still going on a couple of weeks, you'll, you'll still need prayer for your ministry. Absolutely, and the issues that Haiti is dealing with are not going away anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you all for listening, and join us back next week. We'll be talking about the third commandment about taking the lord's name in vain and what that means so join with us then so until next week have a great rest of your week <laughs>